1 John 1 9 NASP If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous, so that He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know this post is a little on the long side but it is really important so I hope you will bear with me. I don't know of another topic that causes more anguish than the topic of how our sins are forgiven by our Heavenly Father. And I am acutely aware of how God's forgiveness of our sins can be misrepresented, so as to infer that we can just go on sinning, as we previously used to do, before we became children of God, through being born again in Christ. The Apostle Paul more than adequately deals with that line of thinking in Romans chapter 6. What Paul is talking about here is habitual sin, something that we persist in, day after day, continually, willfully, just like we did before we became God's children. God has a way of letting us know the things that are contrary to His will and as we progress in our walk with Him, He reveals these things that we may have done previously or are even doing now, so that our lives are more in line with His will for us. I often liken this process to the layers in an onion which God in His mercy, reveals to us, layer upon layer. The problem is that the vast majority of us have no idea just how big that onion is and how many layers are within that onion. And there is a good reason for that. God is holy and we are not, and the reality of that awareness, is not instantaneous, but is increasingly revealed to us, by God, over time. To assume that this new creature that we have become in Christ, where our nature and desires are changed, is fully realized in us and by us, realized by us being key words, at the moment of our rebirth, would be, in my mind, folly. That is not to say that our righteousness in Jesus is not sufficient, because as we know, Jesus is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1 30-31 refers. The problem with our understanding is that it is progressive and partial, while at the same time, God knows all that there is to know, which includes our beginning and our end in Him. Our comprehension does not negate His understanding, it merely is situated beneath it. Think 1 Corinthians 13 12. So how are the sins that we have committed in the past, are committing now and will commit in the future, while we remain in these fleshly bodies, actually dealt with, in our walk with God, as God reveals His truth to us, in His Holy Word. To answer that question is the purpose of this post. The sins that we committed against the will of God, prior to us becoming a child of God, through faith in what God provided, through His Son, for us, are fully paid for, through the shed blood and the given life of Jesus on the cross. And it is important to understand that all sin, is in itself, a violation of the will of God. In other words, sin is a violation of, or contrary to, the nature of God. Isaiah 1:18 comes to mind when we are looking at the contrast between God's thoughts and ways and our own thoughts and ways and the forgiveness that God extends to us through His Son. Are we fully aware of all the sins that we have committed when we initially turn to God in faith and accept His grace given through His Son? The answer to that would be no. Not even close. At this point in time the vast majority of us are not even aware of the onion, let alone the size of the onion, nor the number of layers within that onion. But it doesn't matter, God is so much bigger than our sin and He knows, that is what is important. And because God is always true to His Word, those sins that we committed are remembered no more by Him. Hebrews 8:12 refers. Fully paid for. Remember that. So how does God deal with the sins that we now commit and the sins that we may commit against Him in the future? The first thing that we need to acknowledge is that we, as Christians, all still sin. Each and every one of us, without exception. GoQuestions.org has an excellent overview of the reality of sin in a Christian's life that you can read here. I would highly recommend that you take the time to read it because not only does it provide the applicable scripture verses that need to be looked at, but it also encapsulates the distinction between infrequent and habitual sin, especially as it involves our inner desire to follow the known will of God, as opposed to the previous focus of our attention, being ourselves, prior to us becoming Christians. 
And this is where the analogy of the onion and the number of layers within that onion really comes to the forefront. We are specifically told that if and when we sin, we are to confess our sin to God. That confession that we voice to God is our acknowledgement that we have sinned against Him by something that we have said, thought or done. Did we care about that before we became Christians? No we did not. Do we now? Yes we do or we definitely should. Our confession is an acknowledgement of His ways and thoughts being right or holy versus our ways and thoughts being wrong, or not holy. We confess our sins because we care about God's will for our lives. When we confess our sins we also acknowledge our need to repent or get back on track. That I would think is a necessity, as part of our confession. And what does God say He will do? He states that if we confess our sins, He will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now this is the part where a lot of us start to doubt how this process works. What happens when I am not habitually sinning but it would appear that I infrequently sin in doing the same thing over and over again? The thought crosses our minds that we have had to confess this particular sin previously. I need to ask you a question. Do you think that God would ask us to do something that He Himself does not do? Let's see what Jesus said we were to do if someone confessed that they had sinned against us. Matthew 18 21-22 Nasp reads as follows. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but up to seventy-seven times. How about Luke 17 3-4 where again Jesus talks about forgiveness. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Does God rebuke us when we commit sin? Yes he does. Hebrews 12 6 refers. And if you read the rest of this chapter in Matthew you will note that the focus Jesus points us to is on God's mercy and how we are to forgive others as He forgives us. And note in Luke that Jesus says that if a person sins seven times a day, and repents, you shall forgive him. Now I am not advocating that we commit the same sin seven times a day and ask for forgiveness each time in that one day, but what specifically does Jesus tell us to do if someone did that? You shall forgive him. Would Jesus ask us to do something that He Himself would not do? The short story is that sometimes we just mess up or are slow to learn. Sometimes repeatedly, because the area that we are sinning in, hasn't got to the point where our desire to please ourselves is overtaken by our desire to walk in God's will. Sometimes that takes time. And think of the number of layers in that onion, that are continually being revealed to us. And you can correct me if you think I am wrong but I would think that the vast majority of us still have areas, layers, in our lives where this is applicable. I am not going to go into specifics but I can tell you from personal experience, when you repeatedly ask for forgiveness, infrequently but still time and time again for the same sin, there comes a time when you just can't continue to commit that sin anymore. You do have to give it up. But during that process, which can take time, God does not abandon you. Hebrews 12 6 still applies, for whom the Lord loves He disciplines, and He punishes every son whom He accepts. Note every son, or daughter, whom He accepts. God continues with you if you continue with Him. Don't abandon Him because He has not abandoned you. See the process for what it is, part of the learning curve, part of the learning process of Christ being formed in us. God has His ways to modify our ways and they can be very effective, especially over time, if we endure. If we continue on. The bottom line with regard to the modifying of our will, as it applies to revealed sin, to follow God's will, is that it goes much deeper as our walk with God continues and as long as we are in these fleshly bodies, I don't think it ever stops. But we should not become discouraged, we should not throw in the towel, we continue on, knowing that, 
that which He has begun in us, He will indeed bring to completion, Philippians 1 6. Worthy is the Lamb. Blessings.